Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about navigating the college recruiting process. And joining me to discuss that is Kahari Hicks, assistant coach at Cleveland Heights High School here in Ohio. Kahari, it's great to have you back here on the podcast. Coach, I appreciate you bringing me back. And for our listeners out there, if if you uh, don't recall, if the name sounds familiar, Kahari joined us to talk about the Build a Bridge program with uh, his head football coach, Max Stevens, from Cleveland Heights. And uh, it's just been a tremendous program here in Northeast Ohio. I know you guys had to adjust quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the whole program was really built around being able to get your teams together. And uh, so far, we have not been able to do that um, because those things were not cleared by the state for us. But I think you guys have been really creative in how you've been able to move this forward. So, uh, Coach, if you would, just give us an update on what's happened so far and what you've been able to accomplish with the Build the Bridge program. Well, we've we've had a huge amount of schools that want to get involved. We're close to 70 now. And obviously with the COVID restrictions, we had to do some things differently. So the first thing that we did was the Hall of Fame was very gracious, and they brought us in for two sessions. During the session, we had a basically a three-part rotation. One rotation was that the kids would tour the Hall of Fame. One rotation was that the kids would uh, do football drills on a socially distanced setting. And then the third rotation was that they we had a moderated discussion on race. And so the feedback that I've heard from coaches and players is that it was a phenomenal experience. Many of our student-athletes, regardless of their race or socioeconomic class or community had not had a chance to visit the Hall of Fame and they learned a lot about the game. Obviously the football golf that they played was entertaining watching non quarterbacks trying to throw the ball. But the most telling part was the conversation on race. And there were a lot of really tough questions that were thrown out in terms of how are football players stereotyped because white players are stereotyped certain ways, black players are stereotyped certain ways, and football players in general are stereotyped certain ways. And so there was a lot of really good conversation that took place, and coaches and players and even some of the people that are at the Hall of Fame hopped in on the conversation. We were even very blessed to have uh, the gentleman from ESPN Cleveland, Emmett Golden and Gerard Cherry, jump in uh, during a session, and it was very eye-opening. So – it was it was it was really really good. When you look at you know, and I, I know a lot of this because there couldn't be necessarily those team activities, um, you know, just seeing the picture because I know we had a couple kids there from Avon Lake and uh, you know socially distanced in uh, in in the room that you guys were able to be in. Um, but I guess the the feedback from the kids and some of the things that you saw that were very encouraging and coming from our young people. The fact that the young people, after listening to each other's stories, recognize that change is going to start with them. And it's going to come with knowing one another, interacting with one another. And when those kids were in there in the Hall of Fame just having conversation and just talking and then they started playing the football golf together, you, start, you saw relationships start to get formed. 
from people who normally wouldn't interact. And I think that was the biggest thing was just getting these young men together so they understand each other's stories because stereotypes work both ways. Some of the, uh, some of the African-American kids from the inner ring suburbs have the players that come from the, uh, the outer rings, the outer ring suburbs are just the rural areas. And both, both groups shared their experiences with law enforcement and, it was very telling the differences, but it really helped kids to understand what we need to do to move forward as a society. As, as you look at, you know, at least this little microcosm of, of our society that you guys have been able to get these kids together and they've been able to see the, the similarities and the differences and talk about the different ways that, um, you know, they're, they're affected by things going on, uh, you know, does it create, I guess, you know, a positive outlook for you? I know if you turn on the TV, it's it's negative all the time, and there's just still all kinds of crazy things going on. But were you uplifted by what's happening with these young people? I most definitely was because I think that a lot of these young kids just want to play and interact, and I think that's the beautiful thing about sports is where – it doesn't matter where you come from. You're going to be forced to interact with someone that doesn't look like you. So you could be in an inner city school that's 100% African-American, and you might play a bunch of schools in your league that are like that. But eventually you are going to have to venture out and play a team that's from the suburbs and it's like all white. And that's the, the obviously the, the flip side of it is that a rural school might be playing a bunch of teams in their league that are rural, but you have those independent games in basketball or those non those non league games in football or even a playoff game where you play someone that doesn't look like you. And that was the uh, that even happened, you know, when I was coaching at JFK, we made the playoffs for the first time in school history. Our whole schedule is basically basically um, playing you know city league schools, but our playoff game was against Olmstead Falls, and our team was 100% black, their team was 100% white. So ultimately, sports are going to bring people together that don't normally interact. And I think that's a huge thing that's important for it, and it gives you hope. And in the conversation that the coaches were having, you know, the, the coaches were bringing up very powerful points and just saying, I saw this injustice, I should have said something. And it was really reflective. And I think it's just as, I think it's just as therapeutic for the adults as it is for the kids. Well, Kahari, in getting to know you and some of the things that you've done, um, what's evident to me is at the heart of all you do, you are a, a teacher in every way. And uh, you foc- have focused on a lot of different things, not just the classroom, not the field. Uh, you've been involved, as you said before, in some anti-bullying programs. Obviously, you guys put together a, a great program and build the bridge. Um, and, and now you've uh, ventured into an area here with college recruiting. Uh, and this really affects not just, just football, but all sports right now. Uh, I know firsthand the, the way you approach it right now is probably, you know, as a parent, as a, as a player, even as a, a coach who has uh, kids who are trying to get into college, it's, uh, it's tougher than ever right now. Uh, when you look at things, you know, you, you got rosters in certain sports that are getting backed up. You have, in some sports, two freshman classes on campus, or you might have that, uh, you know, next year if, if sports aren't played this year. Uh, it, it affects the money that's available and the scholarships. So there's all kinds of things now that have made this 
incredibly more competitive and difficult right now to understand the process. So it's critical that you uh, have the knowledge and understand everything that goes into it. So you've put together a book titled Navigating the College Recruiting Process. Uh, a lot of thought, I think, you've put into it because as, as you gave me an overview of everything in there, uh, before we got going, I think you touched on a ton of important things right now. Again, uh, me having been on, on both sides of it as a, a high school coach and as a college coach, and now uh, with my son as a parent, um, there's just a ton to, to think about here. Uh, what was it for you, I guess, that inspired you to put this resource together? I've been coaching high school football since the year 2000, and so I've had the fortunes of watching the recruiting process just totally morph from giving a a college coach a VHS tape to texting them a huddle link. And something that has never changed in this process is that parents and student athletes are extremely naive as to how this process works. And that uh, fact of them being naive allows a lot of dis a lot of disingenuous people to take advantage of parents and student athletes and really racket them for a lot of money. And so just dealing with the amount of players that I dealt with from junior college to high level division one, it just gave me a very unique perspective on how this works. And that's why I uh, named this book Navigating the College Recruiting Process because you really have to know how to navigate it. Because if you don't know how to navigate the process, especially right now with what's going on with COVID, and like you said, you know, having two freshman classes, extended years of eligibility, if you don't understand how to navigate this process, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And most parents only have one child that goes through this. And then they'll, they'll always say the same thing, I wish I would have known this. And so through my experiences in this process, I begin to write a book to just really clear up a lot of misconceptions and tell people how it really works because I was so sick and tired of listening to parents tell me things that people had told them. They said, well, yeah, you know, they told me that if I uh, paid this $800 and went on this tour that I would get a scholarship. And, and I just said, I said, it's not how it works. And I, it was very disheartening for me to see well-intentioned people get taken advantage of because they just don't understand. And so that's why I wrote the book. I've spoken several times now about it. And I just, you know, I I stayed a lot longer than the sessions required. Uh, We did a six to seven session. I ended up staying until about 8, 39 o'clock because there were so many questions. And I just want to make sure that parents were fully equipped so people can't just go and just say, you know what, if you do this, you'll get the scholarship. It's only going to cost you this amount of money. And it's just uh, that stuff, it irks me because, especially now with this pandemic, parents and student athletes are even more antsy and there will be more people trying to take advantage of people. And I think that's why this book is even more important now because of our current situation. Well, we're a little bit spoiled here in Northeast Ohio. We have guys like Mark Porter with Scouting Ohio. We have uh, John McAllister who uh, recently retired, but did the McAllister report here. And those guys did it the right way, not asking for a single dime from any of the kids and really being thorough, going out and watching a ton of games. Uh, I mean, you, you would see Mark, you see Mark everywhere now. Mark still is very active, uh, but you'd see John everywhere as well. 
over the years. And, you know, that those kinds of guys, though, are few and far between. And as you've said, I think, you know, there's some people coming out of the woodworks here and seeing an opportunity to make a buck by taking advantage of people who, you know, are a little bit distressed, uh, a little bit worried about what the process looks right now. So, uh, again, I think both for the, the parent, the, the player, and the coach, it's important that we understand all of these things. So for you, you, you like to, I think, give that understanding first of exactly what scholarships look like and what scholarship packages look like for these student-athletes. Oh, absolutely, because I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is when those kids tweet out, blessed to receive an offer, mm-hmm. and a kid gets so fired up when they, they are informed that they've got they've received a scholarship offer, and I just try to make sure that people understand, and I tell our players flat out all the time, you know, you'll know what the offer is. Heck, even a Division One offer. You can get a Division One offer and not be able to take it. Yep. And that's a big point that I make in the book is that, you know, you, know, you could receive a D1 offer, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to let you commit. You can receive a school, an offer from a D2 school or an NAIA school, and until you find out exactly what that offer means, you shouldn't get excited. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think that there are a lot of instances, even even a lot of uh, high school coaches, they'll they'll rush and retweet that stuff and 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 make it seem like a huge thing. And it's important. I mean, I, I don't ever want to diminish the fact that the child was offered a scholarship, but you also have to understand until you get the paperwork saying what the package is, to know exactly what an offer is, because you could receive a, a school could cost forty six thousand dollars and the offer could cover ten thousand. Right. Now, unless your parents are making, unless your parents are making three hundred thousand dollars a year, I don't know how how powerful that scholarship is. But if you if a school costs forty six thousand and the package comes out to forty one, now you've got something you've got something going in. And I think that's a huge misconception that parents don't understand that what what a scholarship package looking looks like. And my book has it. My book has six different examples of a sample scholarship package, and my and and the breakdown on it. You know, is this a good package or not? And so I think that's a huge part to understand is that the book contains a lot of information about a scholarship offer, and that applies to sports, not just football, but any sport that you're not getting a full ride. And so when you're talking about Division Division Two and a lot of Division One sports that aren't football and basketball, these are, these are equivalency sports. And so people need to understand that. Where a, a, if you get if you get a Division One baseball scholarship, very infrequently are they going to foot the whole bill? Because it, you know if you get a Division One baseball scholarship, baseball has eleven point seven scholarships <laughs> at the D one level. Right, exactly. Which means, and so and so if they're spending one scholarship on you, on your child. Then I would assume that your child is going to be a is going is one of the best high school players in the country, and they're going to end up getting drafted. And that's just how that's a, that's just what it is. And for the most part, you know, when you get that scholarship, you have to sit, figure out okay, outside of baseball money, what else am I getting to balance out the package? And that, and that's very important to understand. I think that's a huge misconception that parents have, and this book really 
explains to you what a package looks like and how to negotiate it once you've gotten the actual scholarship package. Yeah, it's very important to understand, and it's funny with, you know, when you look at, uh, you mentioned Division One baseball, you know, and that's, you know, with my son, we're in, in the middle of baseball recruiting right now. He's, he's got a few D2 offers um, and is on the cusp with some D1s, but the fact of the matter is, and looking at some of the packages we've seen, um, he's... I, I, you know, I think there are going to be some things that are hard to beat, knowing that there's 11.7 that are spread out over 27 players, uh, and then you know you go into exactly. into the nuts and bolts of of baseball. You know, he's a position player, and typically your position player, you're not getting as much money as the guys with the arms who are on the mound. So <laughs> there's a lot of intricacies there that that go into it. I think when I look at that, you know, I. I think you see it more in football. I don't see it as, as much in the other sports, you know, guys on Twitter, you know, blessed to receive this offer. I know, um, you know, prior to all those things happening on, on social media and, and being a division three coach, I would get frustrated with guys going and signing on signing day for, you know, a thousand dollars. Right. Well, but it's a scholarship coach. Well, yeah, but, you know, there's so many things we can do for you here at this D3 school. Did you look at our package and compare it to what you're receiving? But, you know, guys get caught up in, well, I want to sit down with my teammates and put that hat on and, and you know, be part of that four-minute ceremony where we all fake sign a, a piece of paper because that's already done by that point in the day. Um, you know, wh- what, are we, what are we doing all that for? You know, we really, again, got to understand that and look at what is the opportunity, because sometimes the opportunity is better at, at some of those smaller schools, and they, they might be able to do a little bit more based on uh, some of the resources in, uh, you know, grants and uh, academic money, et cetera, that are available to them. And, and, that, and that's, that's what I really tried to make sure that I, that I explained to people, is that I, I put a video on Twitter about a walk-on. And it got 25,000 views because people had to be enlightened because that's why I put it on. You, you know why everybody wants to go up there on signing days? Because it goes on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. And so, you know, a, a kid, a, you know, now it's getting sold to the point where a kid is committing to a school and they're not even announcing that they're a walk-on. Right. And and so, but it's the, it's the, it's the incessant it's the incessant need for attention and what happens with that. And the kids, they want to post everything on social media. They need to be seen. They need to be heard. And that's a, a huge thing that happens. And I try to, I try to explain to parents that you need to find what's going to be most affordable for you. And sometimes that's a division one school. Sometimes that's a division three school. It just all depends on, there are a lot of mitigating factors sure. in that. Yeah. And that's what I, I also focus on that in the book, where you could walk on at a D1 school and turn down about a 90% package from a Division three school. And at the Division three school, you're going to play, you're going to have a phenomenal experience, and you're going to walk out of college and say, you know what, I've got a degree, and I remember when I caught those seven passes for 180 yards and two touchdowns, and you will always have that. Whereas some kids that just want to walk on at a, at a D1 school, they're going to sit there and then 20 years now they're going to lie and say, yeah, you know what? I was the best player on this team and we did this and, you know, and you're, you're a liar. And so 
it's just about the experience and what you're willing to pay because college isn't, isn't cheap. And you don't want to come out of college $45,000 in debt if you don't have to. Right. And so that's why, that's why it's important to understand D1, D2, D3, NAIA, junior college, find a school that fits the major that you want and is also going to uh, provide you with a package that's not going to you know, cripple you with debt. Because unless you're going to school to be a doctor or a lawyer, you don't, you don't want to incur unnecessary debt. I mean, you're going to pay something in most situations, but you don't want to incur ridiculous debt that you'll spend the rest of your life trying to get out of. Yeah, exactly. I know, you know, in my opinion, um, I think Division three coaches, if they're good and they understand how their school works, uh, they don't want to put kids in those situations either. They they should know, you know, here's here's the kind of, of guy who, you know, based on your grades, et cetera, um, you're going to get a good package here. You're not going to go in debt uh, really bad to be able to go to school here. And, you know, I would just know, like, man, this guy's going to have, you know, based on his grades, he's going to have to pay weight and you know, grades, maybe what, you know, he's he's uh, disclosed about what parents make or whatever, going to have to pay a lot of money to go there. It's to me, it's it's tough to keep selling them on that because it's just not the best thing for them. But, you know, part of that, too, is the athlete has to do the work and um, and, you know, the work with the parents too to get get on top of that and understand what's this going to look like. And I think the best tool you have uh, available on every single website, uh, you know, you don't even have to get into the FAFSA yet. Is you can do the school's estimator, and you're going to see, you know, let's say it's a Division Two before any money is given to you athletically, what the price is going to be. You know, and so that's what what I do right now. Is anytime a school's talking to him, you know, right away I'll see that sticker price, say, wow, seventy two thousand dollars. But then you know, go into put all the information in the, the estimator. Now that's not the final number, but it's going to get you close and say, you know, it's not bad. Here's, here's where we're at with academic money, um, other grants he might be able to receive. And this is before he gets any baseball money. So they could be in the ballpark. And then there's other ones you look at and you're like, there's just absolutely no way this one will work for us. So, you know, move on from that one. So I think the, um, as we're looking at it, you you mentioned you know that wanting that attention, wanting that exposure, uh, sometimes um, being exploited because you want that exposure by people who are out there and promising that you that you'll you'll give more. So uh, let's take a look at that. And how do you recommend that right now, especially with all the things we're facing, uh, a student athlete is able to get the exposure he needs to uh, be recruited, regardless of what level that's at. I think that right now you better use social media to your advantage. When you're working out, when you're doing drills, you better record it and put it out there so coaches can see. If you've got good junior film, you know, you, you won't be in as bad of a situation, but the number one, thing I would recommend to parents and student athletes are to videotape yourself going through specific drills that showcase what people need to see. I think with the club sports, since they're all in, in competition anyway, have a good camera person and record that so you can give actual 
showcase or tournament or whatever travel team film to these college coaches. But for people who are playing a sport like football, you need to be filming your workouts. So we have a big offensive lineman. He, and he's getting recruited. But we're helping his recruiting right now by showing him do drills that highlight his athleticism. So if you're a volleyball player and you're in there and you're in, and let's say you're not in, in, in season, but, you know, you're having someone set to you and you're going up there and you're killing it, the college coaches are going to see how high above the net you play. They're going to see the speed that that ball comes off your hand. And I just think that's the important part of videoing things. I know a kid who got a scholarship, and this is talking to a college coach, the kid had a drone, and he filmed the whole quarterback workout and sent it to the school. And these are the things that you have to do now. You have to really up your game. And that means parents have to up their game in terms of what they want to do for their kids. So that means that you have to go to the park and do whatever demonstrations you need to get done. If you're a goalie, if someone needs to, if, if you need to get, get in goal and have people start launching stuff from penalty kick uh, distance to see how well you react to the ball, what your range is, and all those kind of things, you need to get that camera out on that cell phone and start recording stuff that's quality and then start sending it to college coaches because their ability to recruit in certain sports is extremely limited right now. And, you know, even in, even in the travel, even in the travel circuit, the, the coaches still have a very limited time where they can go. They can only get to so many showcases. And, you know, that would be my biggest advice right now. You want to get exposure, be prepared to send a lot of emails. Be prepared and be prepared to take a lot of quality videos, make sure the angle's right, it showcases whatever it is that you need to see. And like I said, we had one of our linemen going through a bag drill and a pool drill, so the college coaches got to see right now how athletic he was going through the bags and how quickly he pulls for his size. For sure. I couldn't agree with you more. I know when the shutdown hit, and, you know, my, my son's always had the goal of being a college baseball player. Um, you know, I realized really quick that I don't know when these guys will be able to come out of their dead period. And as uh, once wore on, it kept getting pushed back and back. And as of right now, it sits at August 31st. Uh, so early on, you know, we, we were still going out. Uh, we would film, you know, batting practice sessions. We would film infield sessions. Uh, get all kinds of different angles and basically every single week he's he just started sending out probably 75 emails a week updating coaches on what was going on with him uh, showing his different skills and what he was doing and just continue to do that and then throughout the you know summer ball um, I mean I'm sitting there with my phone pretty much on every pitch he's in the field and and then uh, every at bat you know, getting, getting that video as well. And so he would put together his uh, highlights every single week and send those things out and, and it generated a lot of interest, but you know, it's, you've got to do the work. I mean, you can go and pay somebody to do that, the work for you, but I don't think you're going to feel as secure about what's happening and in those messages going out through someone else rather than, um, you know, through your, your own doing and, you know, understanding, what starts to come back, I think, you know, initially, because uh, he missed out on his his uh, summer last year. He had broke his thumb second game of the summer season, and so he missed a lot of exposure when coaches were out. And so he had to get word out 
about who he was. So it started with, you know, getting some of those form emails back. Okay, yeah, here attend our camp. But then he's just persistent. He kept going and going. And then, you know, all of a sudden these guys are talking to him. They're taking interest in his video, uh, especially as the shutdown continued. Coaches were telling him, yeah, you know, we're going to have to recruit off a of video. Please keep sending uh, your video. So uh, it is a lot of work. But I could say right now, you know, everybody has that camera in their pocket. You know, the, the parent, the player um, set it up on a, a little stand on the field, you know, even if you don't have one that, that you get from Best Buy or something, easily set that up and, and film some drills and, you know, talk to your coaches and coaches, talk to your players. Here would be some good things that show your athleticism, right? If you're an offensive lineman, they're going to really look for your hip bend. Here's some good drills that might show that, you know, those are the things that coaches are going to want to see, especially, uh, you know, I, I don't know how well spring is going to work for guys, you know, who are seniors right now and maybe are relying on some of that um, senior film from the fall, you know, it's going to be tough having that after signing day. So you're going to have to to look at that now and think about what can I do to show my athleticism, my skill. And, you know, I, I, I look at just creating those, those situations that replicate what they might look for on game day and getting that across to them, filming the workouts, like you said, um, thinking back coach, you know, as you were talking about it, we, I had a kid and it was when I was a head coach at, uh, Amherst steel. And so this was about, uh, 2005. Uh, he was a, a linebacker fullback for us. This kid really wanted to play scholarship football. And, you know, we were doing everything we could to get things out His his highlights looked good, but he was slightly undersized. And, you know, we, he was just an incredible weight room warrior. This kid would just get after it. And he had, a uh, I think he had 600 pounds on the deadlift and uh, is one of the most intense efforts I ever saw. And we, we had a camera, a video camera in there that day, uh, got it on, on video was VHS tape at the time. So we sent that out and was on the beginning of his VHS tape. And, uh, all of a sudden now, you know, the first go around where he wasn't getting interest, the people started calling, ended up getting an offer because they, they were so impressed by his, just his effort that this kid put into it, obviously his strength, 600 pounds on a bar is pretty impressive, but the effort he put into getting that, cause he had to struggle to get that, you know, last couple inches and he's just holding there, getting the bar finally gets it locked out. Those kind of things help. I mean, your kids who play other sports, right? Uh, maybe. And I think being a multi-sport athlete is good. Show athleticism in another sport. Don't be afraid to include, if you want to be a football player, your, your basketball highlights or some of your track highlights, et cetera. There's so many things that, uh, you, you you don't think about that coaches really want to know. Uh, they're, they're probably not going to get out on the road as much with some of the restrictions they have because of, of, of the virus. So, you know, a lot of times it's, it's they're going to like where you're at senior season. They're going to be looking at you late to make an offer before signing day, get out to a basketball game. They might not be able to do that. So anything you can do to show who you are as not just as a football player or your particular sport, but as an athlete is going to be helpful in the process. Oh, I, I agree 100%. But I, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned in that is the whole thing about, you said 75 emails. Mm-hmm. You better, you. Uh, I, I think that you have to be prepared to really go above and beyond. And I, I really, and I, I talk about that as, as well in the book, is the role of the parent in this process. And so some people who read my book said, man, you are really hard on the parents. I said, 
Yes, I said because the first person that gets blamed, if Johnny doesn't get a scholarship when he plays for Coach G at Amherst, it's Coach G's fault. Yeah. And, you know, and we don't we don't look at the fact of I I say that I talk about this in the book in, in great detail that the parent, the player, and the coach, all three of those have very important roles, and so many times the role of the parent and the player is minimized, and the role of the coach is what takes all the balance on the scale. But as a parent, I can see you taking full initiative, getting videos on your son, you know, getting him to send emails out. And so many times parents have this, you know, they want something for nothing mentality. And that's why in part of my budget talks about how you navigate this. And so, you know, you want to navigate this process appropriately. You need to understand your parents' role, your role as a parent. And right now, given this situation with, with COVID, you have to take more initiative in terms of just getting yourself seen because the coaches, they can't see you right now. Yep. And so, you know, run, you know, running routes on, on, on the field, catching passes, um, you know, going through a shooting exhibition. If, you know, if you're a point guard, putting on a dribbling exhibition, those coaches can tell how well you handle the ball in a three- to four-minute uh, shoot. They don't even need that, that long. In a, in a 45 second, uh, you can even do it on TikTok. I mean, I don't know how many coaches on TikTok, sure. <laughs> but you can make a one you can make a one minute video and go through all these dribbling drills. I mean, my daughter, she's a basketball player, and I can put her on film for one minute, and people can tell me how well she handles the ball or how well she doesn't. And so I think that's a, that's a critical thing. And if parents aren't willing to do that, players aren't willing to do that, then you're not really serious about being recruited anyway. Yep. You know, the other thing, and in, in, I guess going into uh, the, the highlight film a little bit or, or the video that you put together, um, giving, giving some context, too, I think is important. I know, as an example, again, you know, using my son in, in baseball, um, I mean, he knows a lot about the players he's facing. He knows who, you know, this is a, a commit to this school or that school. And, you know, he faced those kind of guys through the summer and had success against them. And, you know, he would put that context in, you know, uh, at bat versus I can't even think of the kid's name, but he had one of them, I think was going to Cincinnati. Uh, this kid from Cincinnati, um, you know, he gets a hit off of him, right? I mean, whatever sport it is, you know, find those ones that you are excelling against, uh, some of those scholarship athletes. And I think that'll get a coach's attention. I know one of the things, you know, my son did early on, we didn't know what was going to happen with summer season is he found a whole bunch of, of, uh, college guys in the area, uh, most of them pitchers, and he went and did live BP against them, right? He's facing college pitchers. We're getting that on video, and, you know, I don't know. He probably got about a, a 15 or 20 at-bats in the in the few sessions they did together. I actually had one of the kids' dads was an umpire, came out and umped the whole thing, but, you know, that was a useful thing, right? And, you know, definitely got some of the coaches' attention and said, hey, keep sending this kind of stuff. So context to it, right, is, is very important as well. And, you know, being able to show your highlights against superior opponents, whether that's a team or some of those individuals, I think is going to make a difference in setting you apart. Oh, absolutely. I think that especially, you know, with your son, you know, playing in these, tra- in these travel leagues, especially your sports like softball and lacrosse and volleyball, these, these coaches – are going to recruit at the most prestigious tournaments. Yeah. And, and, and that's the context. And so, 
You know, it might be important for people to see when you make your huddle link or your YouTube link where you put a note. This is such and such, n- number one such and such in, in the state or top ten ranked. Or this, this kid I'm competing against has 20 offers. Right. Because people get to see things in comparison. And it, it's very easy for us to do with our kids because we just tell the coaches, like, look, this is what we did against this school, and it's very easy to tell. But when, you, when a college coach is looking, you know, for different sports and they're looking at these travel tournaments, they don't necessarily know all these kids at all these showcases. But if you could sit there and say, you know, I, I pitched three scoreless innings against, you know, Coach G's elite squad, and on that team I struck out, you know, uh, three Division One uh commits that's going to you know kind of help get your process going for sure i think you know again thinking about context um you know in some of your plays it doesn't have to be all of them but pointing out the situation what was it in the game right like again in baseball there was you know some of those where hey this was top of the seventh two out and he comes through with a hit or you know football you know that that catch you make on a on a, uh, let's say it's a, a dig route on a, a first down in the first quarter of the game is not as impactful as, you know, final drive of the game, we're down three, uh, fourth down in 12, and you make that catch and gain the first down. Again, you're showing I can perform in clutch situations. I can perform when the game's on the line. All those things matter to a coach. So, again, looking at content contextually how can you set yourself apart how can you put those things into the video that you're sending to coaches and I I think that's important because just through my conversation with coaches a lot of these especially at these at the club level the travel level the coaches want to see what happens in the last couple minutes of the game or the last couple innings because a lot of times people get tight in those situations and you know, like one time we played a game and a kid made a, a pass breakup and that was the last play of the game to preserve the win. And so we let the film continue to run when our team stormed the field because the college coach needed to know, oh, man, this was the last play of the game. And so the kid makes the pass breakup. Or I tell you, but he picked off the pass and we let the film keep running. When we tell her the game, do not stop the camera because we want people to see that this is what happened. It was a mob scene. We had um, we had, we had won a game and our corner picked off a ball and our team storms the field because that was it, and it was a close game. And so that that's the context that you're talking about. If you know, like you said, getting a getting a, a double in the second inning when you're down three runs is count, and you get a double, and you and you score two runs to tie the game, that's that's extremely impressive because there's a, that's the psychological aspect of sure. sports that people understand is who can perform under pressure. Yep. And I'm glad, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great point. Coach, the, we've talked a little bit about the social media side of this, as far as how you can use it for recruiting, but there's also that side that can hurt you. And I, you know, I was quick to point out to our, our boys here, um, what they should do like hey why are you even following this site like i get it it's funny get it off i don't like it <laughs> why did you like this don't do that here's what this is about and you know you you have to uh while social media can be fun uh you need to understand that if you want to be a, a college athlete if you want to get recruited everybody's looking at that 
everybody is using that to maybe judge a little bit about your character and, and, and who you are and, you know, what kinds of things you're relating to. I think it's so important, you know, right now, especially that you're very vigilant about the things you do and very mindful about some of those things because what you might think is, is harmless um, might be something that comes back to hurt you later. Um, absolutely. And I, I, I think, I think that within this process, and I'll just read you what I said at the beginning of the social media chapter. It says the ego desires to be known as a great saint so that people become followers. The inclination of people toward a person is a fatal poison for him. And that was written by a gentleman by the name of Jacob Gungwai. And this was written, he said this, I don't know, 300 years ago. But people want people to become their followers. And it's a poison for them because your need for attention often causes you to do strange and crazy things. And that's what's happened with social media. And the, the book digs into really in social media, it's just really more so about what not to post and what to post and what to like and what not to like. And I think that's the biggest, a big focus of it. it you know, and I, I focus on how you brand yourself on social media, how you can get your name out there. But really, if people want a, a short answer, a college coach is going to go – I don't care if you play sports or not. Even for these young people that are on the workplace – your social media is going to be scrubbed more than your resume. Yep. And, and that's just the truth. So for people our age, they're going to go through our Facebook page. For these younger kids, it's going to be in Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and they're going to go through there, and if they find information that, that uh, conflicts with whatever organization's core values, they're not going to hire you, or you get fired. We talked about that at the uh, at the um the build the bridge we talked about i asked them how many people uh how many of you all have seen the show the flash mm-hmm. and a bunch of kids raised their hand i said you know the one guy uh his name is hartley sawyer he got fired from the flash for some tweets that surfaced three or four years before he even was on the cast and so you know we're just you know these parents have to understand these coaches and these players need to understand the ramifications of your behavior on social media because it can cost you a job or it can cost you a scholarship and so, you know, you know, there's a bunch of specific examples I give from college coaches about what you should not be doing so you don't, you don't end up blowing an opportunity. Well, Kahari, this is uh, just an incredible resource I think you've put together here. Again, it's called Navigating the College Recruiting Process. Uh, my suggestion would be that, you know, if, if you are uh, a coach, especially if you are new to the recruiting process, um, you know, or maybe if you haven't necessarily kept up with all the different aspects that have, have really come up over the last couple of years here, uh, that you get this resource, you put it on your shelf, maybe get a couple extra ones to be able to lend out to uh, some of your players and, and families who are going through this or, uh, you know, suggest to them that they get this resource. Uh, coach, how can our coaches uh, get your book, Navigating the College Recruiting Process? If they're in the area... They can just DM me or email me, and I can get them a copy. If they're out the area, they can just get it on Amazon. And I guess my point with this is that the book is fourteen ninety nine. I'm not I'm not out here. I'm not out here trying to, you know, become J.K. Rowling. 
I'm just trying to help parents save money. Yep. And it's not an expensive book. You know, I know I know some people they they charge fifty dollars for their book, or uh, you know, six thousand dollars for their system. And yeah, you know, I, I just I don't focus. I don't work like that because these are kids' lives that we're talking about. So like again, if you wanna if you want to get a copy from me and you're in the area, just email me uh, kaharihicks at gmail dot com, or just shoot me a DM on Twitter at at kahari underscore hicks. And if, if you're not in the area, you can just uh, go on Amazon and get one. It's just navigating the college recruiting process. Very, very quick read. Um, you know, 150, 155 pages total. And the information is broken up by chapters. So it's a very easy read. But I feel like it's information. I think it's very necessary. It was necessary this time last year. But even now, with so many new restrictions coming in and so many new rules coming with from the NCAA, it's just very important that you understand this process because for most parents, they only go through it once. And I just, I hate for parents to go back and say, I wish I would have listened or done this differently. Well, coach, I got to say, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and coming back on the podcast. I really appreciate all the work you're doing, not just at your school, but for coaches and, and uh, coaches and players in our area as well. You know, I wish you and the Cleveland Heights Tigers the best of luck this season and hopefully um, all the things that are supposed to happen, all the right things do happen for you here. I know it's, uh, you know, right now a lot of us in uh, Northeast Ohio sitting on pins and needles um, trying to see what happens. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pray and uh, hopefully, um, you know, we're in the right place and the things that are supposed to happen happen. But uh, really appreciate you. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I hope to talk to you again soon, maybe after the season here uh, about some more football topics. Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate you having me on. And like I said, I, I echo the sentiments. Please, let's pray for these kids because there are a lot of reasons why these kids need a season. Once again, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. We remind you to check out all we're doing with our systems for blocking, defeating blocks, and tackling at footballdevelopment.com. And we really need you as an ambassador for this game. We need the high school coach to be able to build his program, K-12, through in his community. And we've put together all the resources for you to do that in the football development model. You can learn more at fdm.usafootball.com as well as on our new Football for All podcast. Please check out those resources.